Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Shane, and Nelly back with you again. Uh, got a really, really fun show that we're going to talk about. Obviously, ton of things happening. You have uh, an outrageous coaching hire in Colorado and the Colorado AD doesn't know even know how they're going to pay for it. So that's interesting. You have some transfer ups that are going to happen from guys that are G5 that have now entered the portal for a potential transfer up. You have transfer downs that could potentially happen. You have quarterbacks that are now in the, uh, in the portal. You have wide receivers and running backs and tight ends in the portal. Like we have a lot to talk about here. You have people that have entered the draft, you have some people that have returned that really surprise us. Like we have a lot to talk about here. Um, but I think the main thing we've got to talk about is there going to be anyone that can beat Georgia for the national championship this year. Yeah. Did you just look down to see if you're wearing an Ohio State? I, I was looking, I was wearing red. <laughs> so I was like, maybe no, nope, it's Chip, it's Chippendale rescue Rangers. Pretty close. Yeah, that's true. I think I think it's going to be tough to find anyone that that can compete with that team. I look, I, Georgia's by far the best team, right? I mean, it, it's easily that defense is really good. I do think the offense can be susceptible. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I mean, you know, I'm an Ohio State alum, so lots of homerism here. But I do think who who wins that game wins the national championship. I think Georgia, Ohio State, whoever wins that game wins it all. I agree with that actually. I don't think I don't think either of Michigan or TCU mat TCU matchup as well with Georgia as Ohio State does. Just because you can't out Georgia Georgia. And that's what Michigan is essentially going to have to try to do. Ohio State's a different team. They have a different build, they have different strengths. And so they can kind of counterpunch. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, yeah, um, Jacob Cowing staying in Arizona. He's staying another year. Wow, yeah. breaking news right on the podcast. Hey, hey, we're just trying to share all this news. We have a lot to get as to. it comes out two days after the news breaks. <laughs> you know what, Shane? <laughs> no, by then it'll be a good reminder because there'll right. be so much new news that has come out. Like worth mentioning, we're recording this. Like nine ten o'clock at night on Monday, December fifth. Like a lot is going to happen in the next, you know, day and a half by the time this is released. We get that. Um, so we're going to just try and touch on some of these players. Probably focus on the players that are returning um, and that have entered the draft, and then some of these guys um, that are transferring up and down. Like we got a lot to talk about. Uh, if some of these guys find homes 
before this podcast comes out. Sorry. Uh, A few of them will, but not many, I don't think. Um, We'll find some other... We'll understand that some people have offered scholarships, things like that, but let's just get into it. Uh, Potentially the highest upside guy that we've seen in quite a while uh, declares for the draft, Shane. Um, I know you're not the biggest like Anthony Richardson fan, but like in terms of like ceiling and athleticism, we haven't had a quarterback like him in a while. No, no I mean, we, we absolutely haven't. Uh, you know, when you, you have a guy, Maybe. I mean, I'd say Cam Newton was the last one where you have a guy that is six, four, you know, built like he is that can run four, four is that kind of athletic freak of Anthony Richardson. I mean, Cam Newton's the last one that comes to mind. Um, it's, it's, it's the passing that is going to be the question with Anthony Richardson and how high is a team willing to draft him to develop that passing. Um, and so I, I think he has the, the widest draft outcome of any player in this draft, any position, defense, offensive line, anything. I think Anthony Richardson, you tell me he's a top 10 pick. I'm there. You tell me he doesn't get drafted. Okay. Like he, he could, he has that wide range because the upside's so big and the, and the downside is too. We have to think that that he got some grade, right? I mean, the only grade he can get is a first round or a second round. And right. they're pretty or stingy. There's no grade past that. Right. Or right. neither. So they're pretty stingy. So, I mean, yeah, I, if he got a second round grade from the advisory committee, that's pretty darn good. Right. And it's worth noting that, like, they only give out about – 15 to 20 first round grades for the most part right so like we're we see a ton of guys that you know that got second or later grades still go in the first round uh because there's 32 picks in the first round uh and i think math just tells us that not everyone's going to get a first round grade you, uh, have, you have some seniors some guys that have eligibility right that get drafted right. in the first yeah, so I I think it's really interesting. Nelly, what's your take? Like, Anthony Richardson, let's say he goes, um, like, 31-32. Like, back end of the first round, someone wants to take a chance on him, get that fifth-year option in case he truly does hit that ceiling. Where are you drafting him in rookie drafts? Um, I mean, I think if he goes in the first, even if it's towards the back end of the first, if he's in the back end of the first, he's probably a top-eight pick probably still pushing top six. I mean, that's just Lamar Jackson, right? Like questionable passing passing skills coming in, but very, very good on the ground. Uh, gets drafted at the back end of the first round. You know he's going to take a year or two to be a starter. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so unique, right? Because, I mean, Shane said it. There are questions about passing, and his profile is so unique analytically too because, like, his completion percentage is awful. Right. Like that's that's terrible. And people see that and they're like, like he this guy can't pass. And and that's fair. I mean, this past game, he his last game that we saw him play, he had what he started out like yeah, he start first quarter, he was pretty solid, and I don't think he completed a pass the rest of the game. Like he's very hit or miss. But his adjusted yards per attempt is is not awful. It's seven and a half in that range. He has like some metrics that he shows well and some that he shows awful in. So he, he has a very unique profile in that sense. Yeah, let's move on to the second guy that uh, has declared for the draft. Obviously, Shane, this is from the Ohio State University. Uh, Jackson, Jackson Smith-Najigba. 
like Shane, would it surprise you if he was the first wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft? No, I, I think I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Like he like fantasy football wise, Nelly, right? Guys that that are great for fantasy football, guys that can be target hogs and are super efficient with those targets because they can either A go up and get the ball or B make people miss. Right? JSN is one of those combinations where you can kind of do all of that. Uh, kind of wrapped into one. Obviously, that's dependent on what team he's going to be in. So, like, when you're looking at a guy like that, especially analytically, like, where does he kind of match up for you? Uh, is that, like, a clear kind of top six pick? And kind of where do you – what's a comp for him kind of analytically-wise? Uh, well, I mean, the, the the big selling point, right, is his season last year where he was very, very good Uh believe he outperformed on the season both Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who are who are both early first round picks this past year and are killing it as rookies, right? So like I mean that's a pretty good data point to say, wow, this guy's probably pretty good. I would imagine NFL right. teams see that as well. That's why I'm not super worried about the draft capital. Um comp wise, like the thing is like I think he probably starts in the slot. Like he's best in the slot, but he can play outside. Um, uh, he's not quite as quick hit, quick twitch, but maybe a guy like Stefan Diggs, who also had early production and then slowed down towards the end of his his college career. He didn't get the draft capital because of that. Um, but just like a good route runner has good a- after the catch abilities, but um, can play inside, can play outside. I, I just, sure. I just think there's been like this death note on this receiver class, and I think a big part is JSN because we all thought he's a rock solid top ten pick. Had the hamstring injury, pretty much just didn't play this season. Um, but you know, if, if he goes and works out and kills it, which he should, he's going to be healthy. And he should do at least really, really well, if not like exceptionally well. Now we're back talking about him as a top 15 pick and Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison's probably going to do the same. And now we're back talking about them as top 15 picks. And now, you know, now the receiver class is saved. So I, I think JSN's death is premature. As Nelly said, that year last year is so good. Um, I think that's going to get him clear, like top 20 draft capital still. And just real quick, uh, one tight end has entered the uh, NFL draft. It's uh, Shane's guy, Tucker Kraft coming out of South Dakota state. That's basically saying that like he's expecting some pretty solid draft capital, right? Yeah. I think day two is very possible. You know, I think he'll compete with Dalton Kincaid of Utah and Darnell Washington, Georgia to be kind of jockeying for that day, early day two tight end position. We have a guy at six, five, two fifty five, two way tight end that has some athleticism. Um, look, look out for Tucker craft. I think especially in like, C2C drafts where the rookie pool is thin or, you know, you have a, a big Debbie league like Tucker craft is going to be a player that, you know, tight end to draft that could work out to be a really good fantasy producer. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Um, let's move on to some uh, guys that have returned. Keishan Boutte, Mr. Booty, if you're nasty, returning to LSU with a truly mind boggling move. Uh, what's your thoughts on that one, Nelly? Yeah, that, that one surprises me, right? Because, and we talked about it a little bit in the Discord, like, I don't know how much a situation changes, right? Like, that coaching staff is staying. I think Jaden Daniels has a has a good chance of starting next year. I guess it's not 100%. Um, 
Um, but I, I think that's more likely than not, right? He has another year left. He's he's going to come back. He's probably going to be given the chance to lose the job, meaning it's probably his unless he he loses it. And Malik Neighbors is still there. Like I don't know. I just don't see how his stock can rise considerably from another year. Um, that being said, I mean, from his point of view, right? Like he he's apparently he's on a good NIL deal. He just had a kid. So he's, he's in stability for another year. Like I get it, but I, I think for NFL prospects, it doesn't excite me. I, I'm not opposed to it. I I'm less confident in Jaden Daniels being the quarterback next year. Um, I do. I think Garrett Newsmeyer look good. I think they could bring a transfer in and, you know, like Pitt did with Keaton Slovis, like see you later, you know, um, could, could be, could be the case. You know, I, I get it because he definitely can move. He's, he wasn't going to be a first round pick. And I think he could definitely move up into the first round, even in my 2024 rankings, he, you know, 2023, he was my um, fourth ranked, my fifth ranked receiver. He'll be fourth in 2024. So I think it's a little move up for him. We'll see what happens but we can't have any more receivers going back to school that we don't expect uh, or, or then the depth of the receiver class gets in a little bit of trouble for 2023. Yeah. If Addison or Johnston go back to school, we're, we're worried. Yeah. 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 That, that top tier is taking a hit, right? That's kind of the main, the main portion that's kind of getting hurt right now. Uh, let's move on here. We got to talk about some uh, guys that are, do we want to start with uh, guys that are potentially transferring up, at least that we should probably keep in mind? Um, I'll just read a list here. Uh, you guys kind of talk about some that you prefer, and we'll just do it that way. It's probably the easiest. Uh, Carson Steele, Sean Tyler, Nathan Carter, Blake Watson, Elijah Spencer, Grant DuBose, Ryan O'Keefe, Dante Cephas, Corey Crooms, Ollie Jennings, Terry's Chambers, Jimmy Horn, Rivaldo Fairweather, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, Kevin Coleman. Look, Who you I'll, want to talk about? I'll start. Let, let's talk about Dion. <laughs> I'll, I'll start. Let's talk about Dion to Colorado, right? Because um, I, I think it is going to be hugely impactful to the Devi and college football and you know C two C landscape. Because he's going to the Pac twelve. He's taking his son. Shutter CR said Shutter Sanders is the quarterback. You know he's taking uh, the number one overall corner, Travis Hunter. Um, That'll by the time the show comes out, that's that'll have been announced. And Kevin Coleman, a four-star receiver that had no business being at Jackson State, is going to go too. And other transfers are, are rushing there. I mean, I, I think you're getting the a head coach of Kent State to leave a head coaching job to be the offensive coordinator. Like this could be a pretty exciting offense, especially in the future when USC and UCLA leave. Pac-12 is not going to be great, and the defenses are never great. I, I think the Colorado position. We need to really look at from a Devi standpoint and sure Sanders now becomes a, a Devi Darthrow draft pick. You know, Kevin Coleman becomes a lot more relevant to be a draft pick. I, I think it's huge. Nelly thoughts. Um, I mean, I don't really have thoughts on the Dion thing. I think it's going to be super fun to look out for. I don't really know. Like, I don't know how much of, what they did on the field is going to transfer over from Jackson state. I mean, it's going to be a new coaching staff, like a lot of new personnel. 
Um, so, I mean, it's like it's the, the, the range of outcomes is so wide, but it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, they're bringing in the Kent State, Kent State head coach as their offensive coordinator, which is that's a pretty good hire, in my opinion. That offense was pretty fun. Um, they're going to have some talent coming out of the portal. They already got some some commits like the day that that uh, Dion announced they, they got a like a 2025 top commit. Um Brandon Innes from Ohio State, the recruit is is potentially considering flipping. Like it's it's going to be a lot of fun to track, but it could be a disaster. Like that's certainly an an outcome here. I think it's awesome. Like I I think it's so cool that this this is happening, man. Like I wanted Dion to be a head coach in the P five for so long. I feel like I've talked about it constantly that Florida State should just have gotten rid of. Norvell and just should have given him the bag like this literally opens it up for an even bigger school to go after Dion in a few years like it does like look at they there was some talk that about 200 recruits that are either uh, recruits now or are in the portal have reached out to Colorado in the past day and a half 200 like if you think that's not a huge number like <laughs> that's that's absolutely wild and some four and five star commits like that's truly truly wild numbers he's not even the coach till next week he still has one more game to coach <laughs> so right and and that's why we're like look at this this is truly crazy and awesome like it's changing college football and like i think nl nil is changing things for the better for players and now people are always going to argue, the old guard is always going to argue that, like, this is what's wrong with NIL is because people can just all go together. But, like, that was always going to happen. It was just happening before people committed in high school. Right? That's when it was happening. So, like, get out of here with that. Uh, I think it's awesome. Go Dion. His, his speech, I loved it. It was great. Like, you're taking over a team that has one win <laughs> this last year. Like, they need something. Let them know that you're going to come in there and you're going to make everyone compete. And if they don't want to be there, you're going to make them quit. I love it. Yeah, go watch that speech if you haven't yet. There's a clip that's going viral of him telling people to go into the portal. It's kind of taken out of context. Watch the whole clip. It, it's pretty fun. Yeah, like, that's a good speech. I feel like, and then he was, like, answering questions. Like, I think the end of the speech was more important than, like, anything that they're going to share. Because, like, he like he was already getting people to kind of buy into his mantra. At one point, he said, when I'm the coach, no one's going to be wearing hats. There were a few kids that took off their hats. Yeah. <laughs> like, that means something, right? That some people are already starting to buy in. They're like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't wear this hat right now. You saw a few guys just sneak the hat off. Like, I think that's great. Like, good for him. But when we talk about this, this other, like, potential uh, transfer ups, uh, I like Corey Crooms a lot. Uh, Corey Crooms is a great slot wide receiver. You might wonder, Kane, why do you like Corey Crooms? I don't know. He's visiting the Gophers this weekend. <laughs> that might be why. 
Let's hope. Let's hope you lock him down for your sake. Look, we, we've had some successful slot receivers come out of Minnesota. So, who? Mm-hmm. And those Western Michigan wide receivers are good. So mm-hmm. they they pump them out. I wonder who used to be the coach at like that school. <laughs> oh my. No, we, oh, we, we're not ready for that conversation got, yet. No, we got we got we got the Gopher love, we got the Buckeye love. It's got Nelly's analytic love. We're 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 all about it today. Nelly's TCU love. Well, not anymore. I've been in a spat with TCU fans on Twitter. <laughs> uh oh. Oh god. Um, let's talk about someone. Who else are you kind of looking at in these transfer ups that are like, hey? Devi-wise, especially Devi-wise, not C2C-wise, but Devi-wise, that we really need to kind of take a peek at. I mean, I I think Carson Steele, the running back from Ball State, had such a good season this past year. Um, If he transfers to a good spot, I think you really have to consider him. I mean, I have him in my top 10 2024 running backs already, and now, you know, he's – he's transferring up. So if he goes to a good spot, this case, he's over 200 pounds, six feet tall, productive, good vision, good contact balance. He's tough. Uh, I, I think he could really excel. And I I'm going to take a shot at him late in Debbie drafts this uh, upcoming season. What do yeah, you think? I like, I like uh, going to Purdue. Yeah, I mean, I look, I, th- I think, I think it's interesting. I, I love Purdue's offense, so give me anyone in Purdue's offense. I'm in. Illinois could use a running back too. That's true. True. He was between uh, Purdue and Ball State out of high school. Oh wow! I'm keeping so, Yeah, Purdue. Purdue was running with their fullback in the Big Ten championship. So I think having a Carson Steele, you know, yep. lining up back there would be nice. Nelly, who are you kind of looking at from this list? Yeah, so the tandem of the of Elijah Special, Elijah Spencer and Grant Dubose coming out of Charlotte, I think are both very talented wide receivers. Uh, Dubose is he's like a big jump ball guy. Uh, he'll he's just fun. I mean, he posts highlights every week. Uh, if you search his name, there's just like a bunch of like videos with like Grant Dubose. How'd you make this catch? Uh, and then Elijah Spencer is just a very good young wide receiver. He's he's played for two years now in a good wide receiver group at Charlotte, and he's posted very good numbers. So I think he's the type of guy who can who can get on Debbie radar, similar to like a like what Jacob Cowling did this past year, where he transferred up and it was successful, like a, a like a Juice Wells at at South Carolina. Like I don't think these guys become like superstars. Right, but like you can become a guy who can sneak into the back end of of day two of an NFL draft in a few years. Let's move on to this uh, next list: uh, potential transfer downs. Like, obviously, these guys went to some really good schools. We'll see where they kind of end up. But you have guys like that: Franklin, Theo Weiss, uh, Christian Leary, Treshawn Holden, Ketron Jackson, Dakari Collins, Trey Sanders, EJ Williams, LJ Johnson. Um, it's kind of already been talked that uh, Treshawn Holden uh, might already potentially go to uh, Iowa. Um, so kind of look out for that. I mean, sell every share you can possibly get. <laughs> yeah, if if possible. Um, I, I think this is an interesting list. You know, we, and we've talked on the second podcast, which 
you can sign up for on our Discord and get a second podcast of us every week about some of these running backs. But Trey Sanders on Twitter publicly kind of reached out to Colorado, you know, tagged Dion in a tweet. Um, I, I just think I think Trey Sanders, the former five star running back from Alabama, Sanders is going to get a shot to be a starting running back. I think he could pull a Jerome Ford and go. Sanders could go to a spot, be productive for a year or two, and end up in the NFL. Uh, so I'm really he's he's the name that I really am intrigued by from this list. Yeah, I kind of put this list together, uh, and I split this list up from the pivots list, which are like similar names, but who I think are better. So this is like a list of guys who I just don't think are very good. So I'm a little biased here. Um in saying that like none of these guys really excite me, which is why I expect them to transfer down. Um, I don't know, maybe like LJ Johnson with a fresh start can be fun. Um, but yeah, some of these, like they, they've just all been pretty disappointing. Uh, we got some fun quarterbacks going into the portal that, you know, might have some excitement for some people. Uh, you have guys like Spencer Sanders, Devin Leary, Austin Reed, Brennan Armstrong, DJ, Uyunglele, uh, Donovan Smith, Drew Pine, uh, Nick Evers, Phil Jerkovic, Jacoby Criswell, Jeff Sims, Hudson Card, Caden McNamara, Haynes Kane, Graham Mertz. Like, there's a lot of uh, quarterbacks, probably some that aren't going to end up finding homes. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be more quarterbacks than there are starting spots. But I think you have some of these older quarterbacks that we've talked about as potential NFL draft picks at one point. Um, you know, go places that they're going to start and can kind of rectify things. You know, I, I think that DJU obviously is the big name of the Devi community. Many of us, myself included, drafted him as the 101 Devi player at some point. So I think him going back out to California where he's from, going to a UCLA with Chip Kelly, you know, going to um, a cow, go, you know, going somewhere where he can make an impact in the Pac-12 and maybe develop, I think would be helpful. Um and I think guys like Spencer Sanders and Devin Leary, I think they're going to find starting jobs, probably at pretty good schools. So I don't think this is this quarterback list at the top that you read or, or got, you know, just toss them in the pile. We already know Phil Jerkovic's going to go to Pitt and start there. No, not, not a bad spot. So I, I think uh, quarterback wise, it's going to be a wait and see, um, but maybe a lot of quarterbacks you took a shot on in your Debbie drafts could still, still have a, a small slim chance to make it to the NFL. Yeah, we have some teams that de- – sorry, I was just saying we have some teams that we definitely need, like some high-profile teams that need quarterbacks, right? Like we talked about a little bit on the second podcast, but Notre Dame needs a quarterback. Florida needs a quarterback. Like there, there's some holes being, being left open here. So it's going to be interesting. At Kentucky, I mean, you know, there, there's going to be a decent amount. But, uh, you know, I think we're going to have a lot more quarterbacks transfer too. <laughs> it's going to be – this list is going to grow. Yeah. Yeah. This this next list here is guys that I think are pretty exciting that have a chance to you know pivot somewhere else that allows them to just be on a team that's going to utilize their skill set or maybe have more playing time. Um, so those are guys like JoJo Earl, Dorian Singer, uh, Dominic Lovett, Dante Thornton, Dejon Stribling, Rara Thomas, Keegan Johnson, Kobe Pace, Byron Cardwell, Trevion Cooley, Jaheim Bell, Austin Stogner, Raymond Davis. Like some very good players, and a lot of these are on Devi teams already. 
a lot of them are are kind of rostered already. Um, so, Shane, who's kind of the most exciting player for you in this list? When we're when we're talking about guys that can kind of go to a school and kind of um, reinvigorate their draft stock, almost right? Who's who's the guy that you think uh, can do that the easiest? I I really think that Jaheim Bell, the tight end for South Carolina, um, who's been just misutilized for years there. He was treated like a running back for 80% of this season for some unforsaken reason. Uh, I, you know, I think he is so athletic and such a good pass catcher and athlete that if you put him at an Oklahoma where you put him, you know, he's from Georgia, put him, put him on that offense with Brock Bowers, right? Like let, let this guy play just as an athlete on the field, catching the football. I still think Jaheim Bell can have be, you know, be a top 50 NFL draft pick. He has that kind of athleticism. So he he's a, a name from this list that I'm really following. I have some Debbie shares in tight end premium leagues, and I, I want to see what he does. Same question to, to you, Nelly. Uh, these two guys kind of feel like they're in tandem for me. It's Dorian Singer and Dominic Lovett. Um Two guys who I mentioned probably about a month ago as underrated guys who were just producing this year and no one's kind of talking about them. Um, but now they get the chance, right? Like Missouri and Arizona, while not awful, aren't exactly powerhouses, right? And these are guys who are going to attract interest from potential powerhouses. Um, they're, they're getting offers from from top schools already. So I'm excited to see them both potentially take a step step up to – Blue Bloods, or at least teams that are competing for for championships year in and year out, um, and seeing if they can kind of maintain that level of production. Because if they can, and they can do this at a top tier school, right? Like there's a ceiling there that that a lot of guys can't get to because of how how good their production has already been, and because if they're at one of these Blue Blood schools, that ceiling just it gets higher. When it comes to value i think one player can kind of you know reinvigorate their value for debbie quite a bit and that's byron cardwell like we definitely thought he he was someone that could take over that oregon offense you know that oregon uh, running back room just never really did uh if he can be the main running back at like a place like ucla with like dju potentially coming in um i think that gets that's a really interesting spot um where if he can kind of get that same workload that uh, zach charbonnet was getting um, there's a chance that he could he could potentially be that late day two pick, uh, early day three pick, and really, really get that NFL draft stock back. Um, so that's the guy that I'm looking out for. Yeah, look, I, I think Raymond Davis is a little bit underrated. He came went from Temple to Vanderbilt, and now got an offer from Kentucky. Like he has moved up now twice in his college career. That's pretty impressive to me, and maybe a name off the radar that needs to be on the radar. Yeah, worth noting for sure. Um, Shane, you want to teach us something? Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching in my modern American history class about the Korean War, and this is one of my favorite stories from the Korean War is the, uh, the Battle of, of Chosun. Um, U.S. Marines were almost out of mortar shells. They were mortaring, fighting in North Korea. And so they called in a supply drop from mortar shells and used, you know, the code word as you do. And the code word was Tootsie Rolls. Um, when the supply drop came, it what didn't have mortar shells. It was actually full of actual Tootsie Rolls, the candy. 
uh, is what got dropped to them. They thought they wanted. And so now these U.S. Marines have this crap ton of Tootsie Rolls. Well, you know, they were warm, warm in the, um, in the supply drop container and really gummy. So they, they took them and they used them to repair like bullet holes and fix hoses and equipment and fix up their equipment and went on to win the battle using Tootsie Rolls instead of mortar shells. Tootsie Rolls for life. Yeah. Who says can't, knowing candy is, is bad for you? Yeah. Good point. Never know what it can be used for. Uh, let's dive into our uh, buy, sell, and unknown stock here. Um, Nelly, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I can go first. Uh, I'm going to buy Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we just talked about. I guess we talked about him a little bit in depth, but I think there's a lot of worry out there that he's not going to get drafted very high. Um, like I think there was worry that he could drop to the second round because of this injury plague season. Um, but I mean, as we talked about earlier on the podcast, like I think what he did last year with the wide receivers that were there alongside him, like I, I, I don't see him dropping outside the top 20 picks of the draft unless there's serious injury concerns, which I doubt. I mean, it's just a soft tissue hamstring injury. Um, so I think you can get a discount on him now before the workouts happen, before the draft happens. Uh, I think his value is going to rise in that time. Um, a player I'm selling is Georgia tight end uh, Darnell Washington. Um, someone who's getting draft buzz, and I think rightfully so, right? Like he's big dude. He's like 6'7", 270. He's, uh, he's, and he moves well for that size. And he was a former five-star recruit, right? So like there's there's – the hype is not necessarily unwarranted. Uh, what I worry about is just the translation of that to to fantasy relevance, right? Like he's he's not a he's not a big producer in college. He's probably like too he's too big to be like like he's going to block a lot in the pros. He can catch the ball. Don't get me wrong. He he does that pretty well, especially for someone his size. But um, like he, I don't, he, he's not a top three tight end for me fantasy wise in this draft, even if he gets drafted that way in the NFL draft. Um, just because I just don't think he's like super fantasy conducive skill set wise. Um, someone I'm unsure about is Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee wide receiver. Uh, it seems as if the NFL draft buzz is there, right? He, he seems like he's more likely than not this point to go in the first round. He's going to test super well. He's a, he's a track guy. He's very fast. And he, I think him or Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to win the, the Belenikoff this year, which is, uh, it's something to hang your hat on for sure. Uh, meaning his production was great this year, but a lot of it came with Cedric Tillman out. Um, he's kind of one dimensional at this point in terms of, he just beats people deep because he's super fast and that's a great trait to have, but much of that translates to the NFL in terms of be developing into a full, a full like route tree wide receiver type of guy. I don't know, so I don't know what I'm doing with him at this point. Shane, you want to go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hyatt's going to be the like Darius Tony and the John Dotson of this draft, right? Or like, no one really likes him, but he got drafted high. My, my buy, we talked about Keishawn Butte. I'm buying him right now. If you have, you know one of those fake analytics people that are not as good as Nelly and that, you know, just be like, Oh, four year receiver, I'm out, you know, then, um, you know, go, go, go buy from like, I would probably sell Jalen Hyatt, you know, for Keishawn Butte. Like, I think 
that's probably a good move. And there might maybe maybe in a couple months, something to keep in mind. Uh, my sell, I, th- I think Nelly would agree with this one too, is uh, Rakeem Jarrett, wide receiver from Maryland. I don't think it's official yet, but uh, the rumor is he is going to declare for the draft. Just never really produced up to his recruiting billing and could be one of those players that goes, you know, day three, but is a name that's on most Debbie roster on a Debbie roster somewhere. So if you have him at some point, that hype's going to grow. I think you'll be able to sell him for more than he's worth. My unknown is Quinn Ewers um, quarterback of Texas, you know, Arch Manning's coming in there. I talked about Arch on the second podcast a bit. I, you know, I wonder if he's just going to take a big step forward. Like we're kind of projecting that in his potential, you know, being a top quarterback in next year's class. And you have Caleb Williams, you have Drake May. I, I, I'm, I'm just not sure Quinn Ewers has gotten there and I'm scared that he won't. Um, but like if he plays well, Texas should have a good offense. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to sell a top quarterback too early either. So uh, I'm torn. Uh a guy that I'm buying here, and I talked about this before on a few different podcasts, but I'm buying DK Metcalf. Like, he, I think he's being a little undervalued. I think you get pretty close offering like a mid first and a second. And I would much rather have DK Metcalf in that. Um, he's 24 years old. I'd rather have the guy that that can do everything um, and is really athletic while doing it than, than betting on some rookies. Um, so I'm I'm buying DK Metcalf. Um, a guy that I'm selling here, and this is just as a reminder, if you have aging running backs on a team that you're not competing on and you have no dr- trade deadline like you should in a league, um, you should be selling those running backs. Right? Um, that's something that, that we talk about all the time. Like, you should be moving Derrick Henry you should be moving Aaron Jones Dalvin Cook like potentially Austin Eckler like these guys that are getting older that uh, might not have any other value outside of right now and when we get to next year their value is going to take a considerable hit um, so go ahead and trade them now and at least get what you can for them because their value is really going to take a hit next year uh, so just a reminder to do that and someone I'm not sure with, I'm just going to keep this all uh, NFL players, but I'm really curious about Pat Fryermuth, um, the tight end from uh, Pittsburgh. Like, I th- like currently he's valued kind of like that tight end six seven range in Dynasty. Like, what is his actual ceiling? Like, I don't know. Is that is that truly his ceiling? Um, and even though he's at a ceiling, I don't think it's necessarily worth a sell because probably going to get this production for the next the four to eight years right like this is a production that's going to happen for a while right assuming that most stays the same at at pittsburgh right like pittsburgh is always going to throw the ball to their tight ends uh there's going to have some good games some bad games happens with every tight end but at least he's getting the targets right that's kind of the thing that we can at least hang our hat on and he's athletic enough to make some plays so I'm just more curious what his actual ceiling is. Like, is his ceiling that Dallas Goddard type? Maybe. Or is or is what we're seeing right now basically what Fryermuth is? Like, I think that's my main question. If either of you feel like answering that one, feel free. But you guys are Steeler fans. 
I don't know as a Steelers fan. <laughs> it's it's tough to say. It's yeah. he's he's doing better than I thought he would. I'll say that. No, I think the Goddard comparisons apt if this offense gets a lot scores more. You know, I just don't know if it will while Frymuth is relevant. That's the question. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I I think he's really talented and I'd love to see you know more targets but i i don't think we're going to get more targets in that current offense so um i think we just have to take what we're getting and and realize that that's better than 25 other starting tight ends right like that's important enough um but that's all of it, all of it uh for us here at the Debbie marketplace just want to uh as always say we appreciate every single one of you and thank you so much for listening